This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Jesus walked the land, mile after mile, with very little chance to rest. Mark, in his Gospel, talks of the pressure, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And again in the next chapter, Mark chapter 3, verse 6, and the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And the great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. We're told in later in that chapter in verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again, so they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, he's beside himself. Luke in his gospel is perhaps more clear on this last point of what was going on. In Luke chapter 8 verse 19 we read, then came to him Jesus, his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. For Jesus there was no time to stop, no time to get away from the crowds. Even his family thought he was mad to keep up this intensity and wished to take him home to have some rest. And the day when he calmed the storm started in much the same way. It's Mark in his Gospel again that tells us in Mark chapter 4 verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude. So he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And it continued the same way until the evening. As we read in our opening reading in Matthew 8 verse 16. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Did might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The physical intensity of all this activity was accompanied by the spiritual and emotional stress of so much suffering, of so much distress around him. Suffering distress which Jesus took on for those who were willing to come to him. Jesus is not above our human frailties. The writer of a later letter, known as the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, like Christ, took part of the same. 
And later in that same second chapter, the writer says, verse 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. And once again the same writer in the fourth chapter of his letter to the Hebrews, and chapter 15 tells us, For if not an high priest which cannot be touched the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So though Jesus was the Son of God, he was a man with the same physical weaknesses we all have. We're told in John's Gospel that he wept. We know he was able to feel sorrow and that he became hungry and tired. But he never allowed this to deflect him from his service of God or to lose patience or to sin. And at the end of this tiring day, at the end of a tiring week or more, Jesus decided it was time to get away. Matthew 8 verse 18. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. But even now, at this time, there are two more who called for Jesus' attention. Carrying on in verse 19. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have not where to lay his head. Here was a man who wished to follow Jesus, and Jesus' reply may seem rather harsh. But it was a genuine concern that the man knew what he was letting himself in for. Jesus was later to say to another man, as recorded in Luke chapter 9, and Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hands at the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. To follow Jesus was to be no part-time commitment, as the next man was shown, chapter 8, verse 21. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Now a lack of compassion was never part of Jesus' teaching. But it wasn't the time for this now. They were in the middle of a campaign of bringing life to the people. And that was the priority to Jesus and the disciples at that moment. You can hear the weariness perhaps in Jesus' words as tired at this end of a period of intense work he told the scribe that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Shortly he was to fall asleep at the back of a storm-tossed boat exposed to the elements and then again to be disturbed by the needs of others. Was this scribe ready for such a commitment? There was some doubt over these two men's desire to follow Jesus. But it was not so for the twelve. 
They were willing to follow, even as it turned out on this occasion into danger. Verse 23 of Matthew 8. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. This willingness to follow the Lord has to be there for all people who would say that they are followers of Jesus. He did warn others who would come to him in John 15. Remember the word I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Just a little earlier, Matthew's Gospel, in what became known as the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12, Jesus had warned them, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. To follow the Lord is not to be an easy ride. But as it was to be illustrated shortly on the sea, that should never be a problem for those who would trust him. And so they set sail across the lake. We experienced fishermen like Peter and Andrew on board. But it was not to be all plain sailing. Matthew 8 verse 24. And behold there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. This was beyond anything that these experienced fishermen could cope with. Matthew in the word translated tempest there in verse 24 uses the word normally translated earthquake. So perhaps this was a, a tsunami in a storm such as they had never experienced before. In the tumult of that storm they turned to the Lord who was so tired that he remained asleep in the back of the boat. Matthew tells us that some cried, Lord, save us, we perish. Luke says others said, Master, Master, we perish. And some, as Mark records, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In that tumult, they even doubted that the Lord did care for them. Does the Lord care? When we're in trouble, is he oblivious to our sufferings? Well, this is the man who was to say the night he was betrayed, greater love of no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he went to beatings and floggings and crucifixion for all who would trust in him. So, of course, he cares for all those who would turn to him. But do we trust in him? When troubles hit us in life, do we struggle on or even blame God for them? Or do we turn to God and his son and ask for help? For when the disciples in the boat turned to Jesus, then we read in verse 26, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, 
And there was a great calm. When they turned to Jesus, they were saved. But notice the order of Jesus' words. First to the disciples, then to the winds and the waves. The first priority, the greatest danger to the disciples was their wavering faith. The storms in their heart that made them doubt their Lord's protection. That had to be addressed first, then the perils of life. For if we are on the Lord's side, then what can these perils do for us? Even the winds and the waves obey him, we're told. Jesus again on that night when he was betrayed and his disciples were scattered said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. As the disciples were to see their Lord arrested, beaten and slain, Jesus told them to have peace, to trust in God, and all would be well. And for those of us in this world who are tossed and troubled, then it can be just the same for us if we follow the Lord. And so it was to be for the disciples on this night. The disciples marvelled, as Matthew says, or Mark says they were afraid of what had happened. Luke perhaps sums it all up in Luke chapter 8 verse 25. And they being afraid wondered or marvelled, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This was no conjuring trick, this was no escape from a seemingly sealed box. It was not even a a miracle of healing that may now be replicated by modern medicine, though by no means as quickly as Jesus performed it. It wasn't a healing that so-called faith healers, whether you believe in them or not, could carry out. This was a miracle that no magicians or conjurers ever could come close to, to control the elements themselves. As Matthew records a little later on, after a similar incident when Jesus walked on the water to a boat in a storm, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. This calming of the storm was a miracle that tells us that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. John tells us in his Gospel, John chapter 20, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So these miracles show us that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, and therefore we can believe in him, trust in him and in his Father, And we can then have hope of eternal life. Jesus is able to carry out these acts due to that power of God given to him at his baptism. Matthew in his gospel records this in Matthew 3 verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptised, went up straightway out of the water. And though the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. 
And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John in his Gospel tells us that unlike those others who had the Holy Spirit or the power of God given to them to, to preach and to heal, to Jesus the power was given without measure because he was God's Son. At his baptism, when this power was given him, God spoke of his Son, calling him his beloved Son. And God was to use similar words a little later in Jesus' ministry on what was known the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew records the words in Matthew 17, verse 15. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. If Jesus is the Son of God, and the miracles he performed like calming the storm show that he was indeed, then we need to listen to him. As Jesus said to his family when they tried to make him return home that we saw earlier in Luke chapter 8, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. We must hear him and then do our best to carry out what he asks of us. We'll sing shortly in our closing hymn of some of those things that Jesus asks of us. But from this miracle that we've seen today, this calming of the storm, we need to see, we see a need to follow him. Not to have our eyes closed, but our eyes open that this might not be an easy road to walk. But having that implicit trust that if we do our best to hear him, then this man who was indeed the son of God, the man who could control the winds and the waves on that Galilean lake, he can also control the winds and the waves in our own lives and rescue us from all if we do but turn to him. And if we do that, we can have peace and eternal life. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.